Hi, my name is Peter Maestri, and you're listening to Divorce the First Six Months. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce, or maybe you're healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories you're going to listen to focus on people who have gone through a divorce, and more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. Two days before the kitchen, I get a call. I'm at work, right? I'm on I'm on some film set, and I get a call that I need to be to go to Vegas. They're offering me double the money. Like it was fucking, you know, I was gonna make a killing in two days. I was gonna make what I normally make in four days. Mm-hmm. So I call her immediately, and I and I leave him, and I say, hey, this is what's gonna happen. And I was actually talking to her on the phone. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I want to make sure it's cool with you. And she's like, yeah, it's cool with me. I'm like, all right, cool. So I finish work around seven or eight. And I call her again and I'm like, hey, I have to be on a plane in an hour and a half. They want me to be there like now. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to pack my bags and you can drop me off at the airport. I left a voicemail, another voicemail, another voicemail, another voicemail, another voicemail. I call the, the job. They book my flight. I cancel them. They unbook my flight. I find them somebody to supplement me in Vegas. Then I call them back and then they're like, no, we want you. And I say, okay, fine, book me, but I'll, I'll, I, got, I have to leave at a later flight. I get in the car, I go to the airport. Now, all this time I'm calling her. So I've probably done maybe 30 calls at this point with voicemails and everything else. I get to the airport. There's traffic jam for two miles and I'm in the car. So I miss my flight. I call them again. I'm like, I missed my flight. They're like, all right, we'll book it for the morning. I'm like, great. All right, we'll book it in the morning. Hey, and I call her back. I'm like, listen, I missed the flight. I'm back home. Um, if you can take me in the morning, if not, I'll take an Uber or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I leave the next morning at like the crack of dawn, five o'clock in the morning. She calls me when I get to Vegas, uh, like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. And I'm like, where have you been? And she's like, oh, I fell asleep. At that point, I already knew something was up. So I, I go through the entire day. The job was great. It was fantastic. It's Vegas. Every time I go to Vegas, it's always been a, a pleasurable experience. Um, and then I get a, a, an offer to stay there an additional day and kind of unwind. I went to the gym and I worked my ass off in the gym that morning. And I took a picture of my ring where I had the ring. And there was a fire in front of me. When I came out of the gym, there was a couch area with a fire. at the, uh, And I put my hand in front of the fire. And I took a picture of that, and I still have that that picture. Something in that moment symbolized it perfectly. I knew I was going into a fire. It was like fucking Mordor. I'm not a lord of the fucking <laughs> rings, but I, I felt like fucking Frodo with the ring. And I'm like, all right, well, this is what it is. And whatever it is, I accept it. And instead of staying an extra day and, and um, committing to that, I just said, fuck it, I'm going home. I went home. I got home like around eight or nine in the morning and like at 10 in the morning, you know, she strolls in and we're in the kitchen and I already sense it. My spirit is like, you're done. Now, prior to that, the week before that, my mom had told me, you need to pay attention to what's going on with yourself. I feel like you're losing yourself. And I fought with her. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just tell me? Why don't you just fucking be right out? Like you're, you're, you're using all these codes. And she's like, I don't know. I just know that you're not who you, who you, who you are. You're something else. And I love you. And I don't want to see you lost in the process. And I don't know what's going on in your life or with you, but I know that, that this is what I need to tell you. So I fought with her and I didn't talk to her for three days. Wow. That's yeah. a big deal for you. 
that's a fucking huge deal my mom's my best friend man she's like there's there's no there's nothing more important than than the relationship that i have with my mom whom she was already separating from like it had already been several months that she was um detaching herself from my mom i'm in the kitchen i'm looking at her she's looking at me and i say to her you know what's going on like something my spirit is telling me to tell you something and i i can't say it to you because i'm i'm scared of losing you and i'm scared of of the truth but i need to know something like what's going on and she looked at me she goes i don't know if i love you anymore and that broke my heart in that one sentence that broke my heart and the reason that it broke my heart is because i didn't see hope inside of her so i looked at her and i said to her well i mean is there somebody else and she said no no there's no there's nobody else there can never be anybody else and i was like and i looked at her and i go hmm, something's off i go is there a possibility can we work this out like what do you need she goes i need space and i'm like okay so if i give you what does space look like you know and she's like well can you can you leave the house and i looked at her and i said something inside of me said no and i go no i can't do that i go we can figure it out like i can sleep downstairs and you can sleep upstairs and she goes let's do that i go okay cool we can do that and i said but there's something that's missing here it's like I go, what else is there? And she goes, you know, like, how can you tell me that you don't know if you love me anymore? That's a big deal. You're not giving me any hope. You're not giving me anything to work off of. So when she said that, she goes, I don't know. That's just how I feel. And I go, okay, well, is there hope? Can you tell me if there's hope? And she goes, I don't know if there's hope. And then I looked at her and I go, okay, well, I need something from you. And she goes, what is it? And I said, I need you to release me. I go, I need you to release me. And for the next 10 minutes, I said, I need you to release me to her at least 100 times. I go, you need to release me. I go, I'm going to tell you now what my spirit has been wanting to say to you for a while. And I go, and I'm going to say it to you in a way that I want you to understand it. Are you ready? And she said, yes, I'm ready. I go you're a liar and you're a cheater and that's who you are and you need to release me so that i can move on with my life because it's not fair i've been a good man to you and your daughter and you no longer want to play that game and that's a choice and i respect your choice but you need to release me she started crying and at that moment i knew that it was done because the way that she was crying wasn't a cry of like, I'm going to lose this guy. It was a cry of, holy shit, whatever I was planning has now fucking shifted. Mm. And I kept, and I looked at her and I got close to her, close enough, like within three feet. And I looked her dead in the eye and I said, release me. You owe it to me to release me. And I need you to, I need to hear you say it. And she looked at me and she goes, I release you. And it was like if I was carrying sandbags on my shoulders just fell off. <sighs> and I breathed. And I looked her in the face and I said, thank you. I go, I want you to know that if you ever choose to tell me the truth, I don't care if you've slept with 30 guys in a row. But the day that you choose to tell me the truth, 
that's the day that you and I can be friends again. I go, I think you're a liar and I think you're a cheater. I think you've been doing it for a while. And I don't, and here's what I know. I know that I'm worth more than that. And I love you and I'm not going to deny my love for you. I'm not going to deny that I want you to win in life. But you and I, this is done. I no longer, I no longer choose you. So it's like such a profound moment. Um, and there's something I, I want to kind of break into in this space, just right in this moment so that people, when I hear, and, and I think why it's so moving to me is, you know, you hear so often as women, as like kind of the victims of um, men cheating. Mm-hmm. And we don't really hear about what it really is like from the guy's perspective when the woman has cheated. And, um, and I think it's just such a beautiful and vulnerable and honorable thing. And I think if people listen to, it wasn't like I'm out and screw you and you're, you know, packing your bags, you know, like that. But I, I think that there's such a beautiful thing and honorable thing when you asked her to release you. Like the vows were still in place until she said, no, mm-hmm. we're, we're, it's done. The vows are no longer in place. And um, so there you are. You're, she has said, okay, you now, your marriage is over. You know this. You have this house <laughs> mm-hmm. that you live in with her, <laughs> with her daughter. Her stuff is there. Your office is there. Yeah. You work from home, you know, like this is, you know, unless you're on set or whatever. And you have to exist in this space for some time. And for every person who goes through a divorce, it's different. You know, it could be an hour and it could be 10 minutes and it could be 10 days. It could be 10 weeks. You know, it's different for every person in their, you know, their specific situation. But I want to have you share with us now the spaces that you went through and the good and the bad and the ugly, which I know you'll do. Um, so that, and, and why I think it's important, Peter, is that people need to know that the spaces that they go through, the good, the bad, the ugly spaces that they go through, even when they're hating their, you know, significant other or soon to be ex-significant other, that those are natural and normal spaces that people go through. And we want to give people permission to experience those spaces. And I'll get to why I think that's important in a minute. But I just want to give you the opportunity to share what that was like for you. What happened? So like, there you are. Okay, she's released you. You now have this home. You know, you built this dream life with her daughter in this house you work in. What happens next? Hmm. What is life like? So there, this is like, now we're beginning the first six months, right? Which is the whole, your whole mission is this first. And the, she says, I release you. And now we've got this first six months. Yeah. What ha- Give us the first few days, the first couple of weeks. What was there? What spaces did you go to go through? And what was it like? All right. So let's start off with day one. So that's that moment. So the moment just happened. 
she walks off i walk off i don't remember what happened specifically where i went or what i did mm-hmm. what i remember was getting in communication with a friend of mine who who i was there for his divorce with and i didn't understand what i was doing i was just taking his phone calls and, and there because i love him and you know for years him and i went back and forth while he was going through his divorce and what i learned inside that process is that he vented he would call me sometimes and be like hey you have like four minutes and he would call me and the first three minutes were crying and then the last minute is like okay i feel good thank you for letting me do that and then he would hang up and i didn't say anything i just listened <laughs> so i was like all right fuck well i'm gonna do that right now <laughs> so i called him back and i started cashing in my chips and yeah. i was like i'm like hey listen this just happened i need to um i need to just speak and then i want you to to repeat what i said or or tell me what you're you're hearing and i did and he he said to me he goes dude you're hurt and he said something to me that i'll never forget he said it's okay to feel that so i was lost and i was sad and i didn't know what to do mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, there's, there's steps that you got to take. One is you got to, you cannot deny whatever emotion is going through you. You can't deny it. I didn't have a relationship to sadness. I didn't have sadness as an emotion that I understood or, or knew what it felt like. I just didn't. I did the happy life. I was always positive. Everything that I posted, everything that I did was like, look at the bright side. I was the bright side kid, you know? So I didn't have that sadness. And I was sad. He goes, look, he's just be with it. He goes, go for a walk, go do something. That was day one. Week one, the same friend said, listen, you need to get yourself somewhere. You have to set up, you have to set up coaches. He had written a book called Being Trainable. Phenomenal book. He goes, start reading the book and let's, let's use the book as a, a source because this is perfect. I just wrote the book and you're going through it. And let's just, you know, let's go through it. And it gives you something where your mind is occupied. He goes, and if you can, like, try out for jujitsu. Get into jujitsu. Because he, uh, he was doing jujitsu at the time. He goes, jujitsu is going to save your life. So I was like, I looked it up. I saw the, all the different jujitsu academies. And I signed up. And that was going like, to be like in week two, I was going to go for my first class. So I started reading his book. When I started reading his book, it started giving me um, freedom. Other people started telling me, start listening to... Um, youtube and start paying attention to other people that have been through divorce or breaking up or and start listening to things so then i started going to the gym and i started listening to these things so i started looking at my mind like math i was going to be awake right there's 24 hours in a day i was going to be awake for 18 of those hours so i had to start occupying that time so reading was taking up two hours work was taking up 10 to 12 hours and then the gym was taking up an hour. So I was pretty good. When I was driving in the car, I was always listening to something. Something that was teaching me about what I was going through. So if I didn't understand sadness, and then I would type in sadness on YouTube and whatever video would come up, I would listen to it. Mm-hmm. Motivational speaking, because I knew that I wanted to turn this into a positive. And I started listening to things that like uh, law of attraction and other things I said, you manifest your destiny. So I wanted to create divorce as an opportunity. And that was my slogan, divorce as an opportunity. So anybody that spoke to me and they would say, oh, I'm so sorry. I would be like, I'm not. This is an opportunity. I'm going to get to know myself. I am now stating that I'm going to be the MVP of my team. 
And that was where I stood. So for the first week, it was a fucking roller coaster. I was up, down, sideways, and I didn't know what was going on. And I had to see her every day. She didn't sleep in the house like two or three of the days, but she left her daughter here. So my first thing was, I'm going to communicate. She had always advised me not to share my life with anybody outside of us because and then people would hold us accountable and family members. And I said, you know what? I'll respect that. So that was the first thing that I took apart. I said, I'm not going to respect that anymore because my instincts is to share because I know that if I'm hurting and I share with somebody, that's going to make a difference. My pain is somebody else's treasure. You know what I mean? Like they're going to they're going to learn yeah. something from it. So I got in communication with my coaches. I got in communication with, um, and I set up my coaches. Like I had the good, the bad, the ugly. I had, I had everything. I had the person that agreed with me the person that didn't agree with me, the person that was spiritual, the person that was a business, the person that was legal. So I had different people that I can go to. And that's what I did. And I set them up. I, the first thing that you should do is, is reach out, tell some people, the people that you, you believe in and say, Hey, listen, I need to know that I can call you whenever I'm calling you and that you'll listen to me. And that if you can't listen to me, you'll, you'll tell me you can't, but you'll set up a time when, yeah. and that I won't use you. I have other people. So I let them know that they, they all existed and they worked together and they worked as individuals for me and with me. That was yeah, work, pivotal. It's so critical. I, when I work with people, in building things, you know, I always say you, you got to have your personal board of directors. You have That's to. You have your to. personal board of directors. Mine always, I always say, generally it consists of one family member, yeah. a family member that you can go to. This conversation started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm challenging you. Share yourself and your story. Be courageous. Be vulnerable. It makes a difference.